Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. Wasn't it awesome? Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, open them to Psalm 23. Are you ready for the word tonight? Amen. Psalm 23, if you haven't been here over the last uh, couple of first ones, we've been talking about this, and I'm going to do my best tonight uh, to finish it out, and uh, we'll see how this goes. The Lord is my shepherd. Y'all ready for this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm reading out of the Amplified. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still, still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your staff, they comfort and console me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell forever in the house and in the presence of the Lord. And all God's people said, amen. This is a great passage of text, and we're going we're gonna to dig deep into this. The Lord showed me this uh, last year in our morning time. In fact, I want to tell everybody I meant to do it. This started up back up this week, but Noel came to town. We have late nights and not early mornings. So uh, next week, I promise, next Tuesday, everybody say Tuesday. And those of you that are new to this, uh, throughout the year, and I don't miss very much, do I, Pastor Robert? Uh, not hail, rain, snow, whatever it is. Uh, at 6.30 in the morning, I go Facebook Live. We study the Word together. How many of y'all have ever been on there at 6.30 with us? And we pray together, and we're going to kick that off next Tuesday. Again, everybody say Tuesday. But it was my time in the morning that the Lord really showed me this, and I want to encourage you that if um, uh, you don't know this passage of text, you need to get this in your heart. You need to get this in your spirit. I love Psalm 91. I love Psalm 37. I love Psalm 107, Psalm 103. But I love Psalm 23 because there's so many vital truths inside of here. But he says, Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Aren't you thankful that you have a shepherd? And there's more to this story than anything because I believe David's not only coming from his spirit, but he's coming from his flesh because he was a shepherd. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd, but he also knew what it was like to be a sheep. How many of y'all know sheep are dirty? They're smelly. They make noises. Can I get an amen from all the sheep inside the building here? All right. Uh, they're, they're, they're attracted to cliffs. They're attracted to wolves. Uh, there's all kinds of things that I can say about it. But I'm here to tell you, verse 1 is so important because it sets up all the rest of the things. We're talking about the 10 promises that come from Psalm 23 and over the last a couple of first Wednesdays, we first talked about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That talks about the provision of God. How many of y'all know that God provides? How many of you know he, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? But it sets the text up. If you're going to get in 10 promises of God of provision, protection, peace, restoration, guidance, confidence, correction, prosperity, anointing, promise, and these are not natural promises, these are supernatural promises. How many of y'all believe that tonight? These are supernatural. I love the first word. If you were here Sunday morning, Pastor Mark preached a different word, first service and second service. 
So in first service, he talked about getting an alliance with the Lord. When we get in alliance with God, there is, the, there is a supernatural covering that comes over you. And so in order for you, what I'm saying is, before we even get into Psalm 23, you've got to get verse 1 before you get any of them. How many of y'all know when you talk about the fruits of the Spirit, if you don't first get love, you are going to have a hard time getting joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. So if you want to open the door, you've got to have a key, and the key to get in, you've got to make the Lord the shepherd of your life. What does a shepherd do? He feeds, and when they're thirsty, he gives them something to drink. Can I tell you the Word of God says that Jesus is our daily bread? Come on. I mean, I'm thankful for the daily bread of the Word of God. How I many of y'all know when a, when a sheep is thirsty, he can call upon his shepherd to give him water? I'm here to tell you that this right here will be living water to your soul. Are you guys awake tonight? I'm already preaching. I'm not trying to, but I'm already preaching. It can be living water to us. So it's the bread of life. It's the living water. And he wants to be the shepherd of your life, but you've got to make him the shepherd. Number two, he says he lets pastures. The only reason... It's doing it, isn't it? All right. I can preach without me. Don't even play with me right now. Should I switch mics, John? Everybody said yes. All right. How's this? Testing. One, two. There we go. All right. What was I talking about? All right. He, verse two. Everybody say two. He lets me lie down in green pasture. Sheep only lie down in a green pasture unless they know they are protected. Psalm 91 says, He keep his angels charge over you, keeping you in all your ways, and no evil fall you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Bear you up in your hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But the whole point, it goes back to verse 1, where you've got to make him the shepherd if you want the protection over your life. Most of the time, people don't need protection because they're following his voice and walking in the principles and footsteps of the Lord. Are you hearing me tonight? Like the things that you see on the news and things that happen like that to some idiot that's doing something boneheaded, it's because the Lord is not the shepherd of their life. How many of y'all have ever done something stupid before? I mean, lift all limbs into the air. We've got to make the Lord the shepherd of our life. Number, and then the second part of verse 2, he says, He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. That's peace. When you can walk beside the still and quiet waters. How many times yesterday we went to the lake for the last time? If you want to do anything with your family, the best time to do it is the day after Labor Day. In anything. Like if you want to go to Disney World, it's the day after Labor Day. There's not many people there, and the weather is always perfect. It may not be perfect Labor Day weekend, but on Tuesday, it's going to be great. And so we went to the lake, and it was perfect. It was amazing going across there and pulling the kids on the tube and wakeboard and things like that with having absolutely no wake in the water. See if there's other people in there. It stirs things up. Isn't that something? With When you get more people involved, you're going to have a ripple in the water. Are you hearing me? See, I'm preaching better than you guys are listening tonight. When you get sheep inside of a pasture, there's going to be a ripple inside of the water. But God says, when you make me the shepherd of your life, you can walk 
You can walk peacefully. I'll lead you beside a still and quiet water. There can be mess going on in the government. There may be a mess going on inside of your body. There may be a mess going on in your finances, in your bank account. There may be a mess happening all around you. But if you connect to me as the shepherd, there'll be something on the inside of that you can have supernatural peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I've got to hurry up if I'm going to get to the ones I'm trying to do tonight. Number three, he refreshes and restores my soul. Aren't you thankful for the restoration of God? Lift your hand if you've experienced the restoration of God. If you've experienced 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. He doesn't give you a new body. He takes the body that you have. He takes the things that you've done, the things that you've said, the, all that criminal activity, and he says, I'm placing a new spirit on the inside of you. All right. He restores. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Aren't you thankful for the guidance of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? That he leads me. He feeds me. He guides me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Number four, uh, supernatural confidence. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't that something? Especially with everything that is going on, you can tell right away. Uh, I love what Pastor Mark said. When you don't have somebody godly in there, you have somebody ungodly in there. And so you can you can tell right away when people are ungodly. Like this weekend, y'all be here. I'm starting a new series called He's Coming Back. I think it's so important. One of the questions I get all the time, do you think Jesus is coming back? No, I don't think. I know. And this isn't about my opinions. This is about the word of God. And this Every time I get behind the pulpit, I'm not going to talk about my opinions. I'm going to talk about what Genesis through Revelation has to say and the 66 books that are in there. But I love it. People think, ungodly people think that it's a scary thing. But us godly people know from the word of God, he said this, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is not a horror story. This is a love story that Jesus is coming back for the church. Amen. And we can walk in confidence. There's a confidence that comes from people that have made the Lord the shepherd of their life. There's a confidence. I see it in many of you in the room that, that comes with that. He says, I fear no evil for your name, for, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is where I want to pick up tonight. The supernatural correction of God. Are you ready? He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The first thing that you need to know, looking at the perspective from a, um, a shepherd's point of view, the rod and the staff. If you've ever seen a shepherd's staff before, maybe from Israel, they have even shepherd's staff. I looked them up, American shepherd's staff. I don't know the difference, but it's a long cane. It's one of those things that we use when people has the mic too long. We get that cane out and we pull them off the stage. All right. But what this cane was for two different things. The, the, the candy cane in on the end, it was for guiding the sheep, correcting the sheep. But the other end, the hard end, the rod part of it, what, that was connected to the corrective part, was the part that he protected them from the wolf. You know what I found in my life? So it put, uh, so it put the sheep back in line. It would beat off the enemy, but it also would put the sheep back in line. You know what I've learned something in my life? Protection and correction go hand in hand. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Protection and correction go hand in hand. See, I had a father 
that wanted to protect me, and because of his protection for me, he would correct me. And people that want to protect you, they'll correct you. You know, uh, just thought of this. In Ephesians chapter 3, you don't have to go there, but I'm going to go there. In Ephesians 3, in the uh, Amplified, it says, May granted to you by your rich treasure and glory strength. I'm going to go ahead and quote it while I'm going there. By his rich treasure and glory strengthen you, reinforce you with might through your inner man, the Holy Spirit himself, through your inmost being and personality. And then it goes on to say, Ephesians 3, 16, 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and may you have been rooted and grounded in love. Then in verse 18, it says, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints what is the width. Everybody say width. What is the length? Everybody say length. What is the height? Everybody say height. And depth. Everybody say depth of his love. In here he talks about the width, the length, the height, the depth of his love. Uh, many of you have probably heard this before, but even this building that we're standing here right, right in right now, in order for us to have a firm foundation to stand the West Texas wind that we get, you know what they didn't do? They didn't just put a cement pad on here. They went down in the depths and corrected the ground. I'm just here to tell you, he talks about the width, the height, and all of those mean something. He talks about the protective side of love. It talks about the giving side of love. But the one that I really want to point out in Ephesians chapter 3 that I feel like he has led by the Holy Spirit to say the width, the height, the length, and depth of his love. Depth is talking about the corrective side of love. Aren't you thankful for pastors that correct you? I didn't hear everybody. Aren't you thankful for men of God in your life that even behind the pulpit when they've spoke the uncompromised word of the Lord, that has spoke something that may be something that you necessarily didn't want to hear, but because they want to protect you, they correct you. Are you hearing me? So they go hand in hand. So, and I also want to share with you, as we're talking about the corrective side of God, I want to talk to you in John chapter 10 when he talks about the good shepherd. And I've talked about this many times. He says, I am the good shepherd. I love what the Greek says. It says, I am the shepherd, the good one. Aren't you know he's the good one? He's the only one. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in an, is an hireling. And not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not. Seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. I'm really not this smart. It's just the King James Version. He said, but he that, listen to this. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Aren't you thankful that the shepherd gave his life for you and me? But he that is in a hireling is not the shepherd. This word hireling here is one who only works to collect salary. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the staff at Arena of Life that are not hirelings here. They're here because they want to be here. They're here because the Spirit of God has called them to this place. But listen to this. is one who works to collect a salary and not the shepherd. A shepherd here in the Greek means the feeder, the protector, and ruler of a flock of people. So he says, and not the shepherd, who's who own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming. Uh, when you're talking about a flock in this particular thing right here, you'd be talking about the people of God. Raise your hand if you're in the flock of people, all right? I'm in it too. And he says, seeth the wolf coming. You know a wolf in the Greek. Look at this. what this word means. 
It not only means wolf, but it applied figuratively, it means a cruel, greedy, rapacious, destructive person. How many of y'all have ever known a wolf? The word used to describe prostitutes who sold themselves. In fact, you you study this out, these people would actually scream in the night to bring people to them. Not, not God-called leaders, but those who will sell themselves for a gain and only stick around as long as there is something to be gained. Meaning this, they will only do things if they have an audience. Ooh, I don't want to be a wolf. And so, whose own, it, so it says, and the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. So he says a hireling, when he sees this person coming, he flees. It means to take flight, means to run away, and runs as fast as possible or to escape. It pictures one's fleet flying as he r- runs from a situation. And then the verse goes on to say, and the wolf catcheth them. The w- catcheth means to snatch, means to steal, means to rob. And it scatters the sheep. I don't know about you, but I've been in a situation before where a wolf has come in and it scattered a bunch of people. I'm telling you, you know it's a wolf when he's trying to take you away from the confidence that comes from your pastor. Just saying that. Scatters indicates sheep scatter when the f- they feel stung by a person or a situation. It's just natural for them to go, go crazy. All right. But in verse 13, it says the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I'm just pointing that out right here is because when we serve the good shepherd, there may be times in our life that we not necessarily like, but he he corrects us for a reason to protect us from the wolf. Are you hearing me? And so David used the rod for protection many times. We see in 1 Samuel 17, if you're you're familiar with the story, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When he's talking to, uh, to um, Saul, he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Aren't you thankful that God has a club and he's put it right in here in our hands right here to protect us from the evil one? If the animal turns to me, I catch it and jaw it and the club, club it to death. I have done this with both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. So the staff was good uh, not only for protection, but it was for correction as well. In Isaiah 59.1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that, that it cannot save, nor his, his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. You know what I believe? I believe David experienced God's correction. Uh, but also, too, through that correction, he, he uh, felt the protection of God as well. Um, David talks here in Psalm 51, uh, after his bout with Bathsheba, if you know the story. But I just want to read it to you in Psalm 51. I believe he's taking this from a, from a protect or corrective heart. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. This is Psalm 51.1. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. But listen to this in verse 7. Me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be 
be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. How many of y'all know when he began to say these things because of the correction that God gave him, this brought David back to the place that he needed to be? How many of y'all thankful for the correction of God? I'm thankful for his correction. He could just strike us dead, but instead he, 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 he corrects us. Create in me a clean heart. That might be another one good for us to just say all the time. So let's move on. Psalm 23 and verse 5. I'm going to have to really hustle here if I'm going to do it. That's all right. We can always come back and do it again. So corrective side. Now let's go to Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is an enemy? Let's just be real what an enemy is. An enemy is a threat. If you've read First and Second Samuel, you know that David dealt with enemies. In fact, he was pleading for his life from the man that he loved, Saul, who was the king. But um, thinking about a threat, I just want to go ahead and put you in this. How many of y'all have ever got a report from the doctor that seemed like a threat? How many of y'all have ever had that, that letter in the mail that it just seemed like a threat? Of something that was going on inside of your family, it just felt like a threat. And so... I'm just here to tell you, when David is writing this, David knew all about adversaries and he knew all about threats. But I believe this, especially when 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 I read about David and I wrote a bunch of verses down. In fact, um, Jennifer called me and said, you have seven million verses tonight. And I said, no, I don't only have six million. And she said, it would probably be good because lots of times I go through these so quick. So, Jennifer, give her a hand for giving you a handout so you can write all these down. But David, talking about the prosperity in times where he needed that supernatural prosperous, because what he is saying here, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That even though you're surrounded by an enemy, he, he prepares a table full of food for you and I. How I many of y'all can testify that there may be some rough patches that you've gone through in your life, but you've still paid your electric, you've still paid for all those things? Look where we are today. What have I been preaching to y'all? We still got cities to build. We got contracts to fill. There may be the gas may go, go up to $7 an hour. That may be an enemy to us, but I'm here to tell you tonight, God's supernatural prosperity for us is he still will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Look at what David said in Psalm 5 and verse 8. And I'm not going to read all of them, but some of these. He said, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Look at Psalm 6 and verse 7. It says, my eyes waste away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Arise, O Lord. See, this is why I'm giving them to you, because sometimes you need to just remind the enemy of this. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me 
to the judgment you have commanded. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. That's talking about the enemy. Psalm 18 and verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. But the last thing is this. I mean, you can go throughout Scripture. And, and I love the story in 1 Samuel chapter 21 where he's in Achish's home, which, which is um, uh, the king. But even in that particular place, go and read it, 1 Samuel 21. This is... Um, He's, he's at Gath, where the, where the giant is from. And even in that particular place, they not only he not only saw the hand of God on his life, but Achish saw the hand of God. These are pagan people. While he was surrounded by enemies, God still supplied when he needed his supply. Think about the story of first, in 1 first Kings chapter 19 when Elijah was sustained when he was running from Jezebel. What showed up? An angel in the juniper tree. Built him a cake. There's some times before I've been in the desert of Hereford, Texas, where I needed an angel to show up and build me a cake. Come on, somebody. Right? The scriptures are full of it. I just want you to see that tonight because I want to get on to this next one because this one's important for me. Uh, this one's really on my heart to share with you tonight. But not only the corrective side, but his prosperity. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That even though you have threat and even though you have an adversary all around you, he is still thinking about you and he will still supply in due need and whatever, whenever you need it. Amen? Let's go to the next one here. Anointing. Everybody say anointing. He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now, there's a book that I would ask you guys to read if you're readers out there. It's by Rodney Howard Brown, and it's called The Anointing. I learned so much in that particular book about the anointing. But the word anoint means this, to rub or to smear with oil. It's an act used of setting something apart. It's an act that is used setting something apart. You know what I, I believe in the church age or in the ch in the church life, growing up in the church, there's a difference between natural gifting and anointed people. I'm going to say that one more time. There's a difference between a natural gifting and anointed people. The Bible says that the anointing breaks the yokes of bond, uh, the, uh, the yokes of bondage of sin and death. There's a lot of gifted people out there. In fact, there's been people that's been in this pulpit before of that I've seen on their life. I've seen them. I mean, they can ooh and coo in audience. They're good with people. But there's just not an anointing on their life. I don't know about you. I could care less about the gifting. I want the anointing. And he says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So um, back in the Old Testament, they would anoint kings or prophets and what are they doing? They're setting them apart and making them something special. I'm telling you, we are nothing special without the anointing. And in Scripture, this is really what I want to pour in tonight and want you to see. David was anointed three different times. And every time his authority got greater. But there's something that's pointed out. And I saw this in this book that, that I really want to, want to bring home tonight. Because the first thing is this. Saul... If you've read, he was the first king of Israel. And Saul, read it. 
he was anointed by a man named Samuel, the prophet, with a flask of oil. But when David became the king, Samuel did the same ceremony, but he didn't do it with a flask. He did it with a horn of oil. What did the Bible say about David in Acts? I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Was Saul gifted? Yes, he was. In fact, even when God's covering wasn't on him anymore, he still won battles because he was naturally gifted. But he wasn't a man after God's own heart. My point is this. David was anointed with a horn of oil, meaning something had to die. I'm just here to tell you, if you're going to walk in the anointing of you, you're going to have to die to something. Like you're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to be become very humble. But in 1 Samuel 16, the first time that he's anointed, and this is the time where we see, remember when, 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 and when Samuel asked Jesse, he said, is this all your boys? He said, no, the youngest is in the field. And when God speaks to his heart and he tells him this, I don't want you to look on outward appearance. I want you to look at the heart, right? But in, in that particular text right here, he, so they bring him in and he anoints him. The Bible says they anointed him in the presence with that horn of oil in the presence of all his brothers. So he goes through all of Samuel when he is running from Saul for his life. He is anointed to be the king of Israel, but he's not walking in it yet. Then he's anointed again after Saul dies in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 4. Judah recognizes his authority, the authority on him, and they anoint him. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 3, he gets anointed in front of all of Israel and they recognize him. My point is this tonight. Before God gives you a greater anointing, he looks... If we were established in our earlier anointed that we first got anointed in. It's crickets in here. Meaning this. When you got saved, you know what 2 Corinthians one twenty one says? Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. What does God first do? Does he anoint you first to establish you? No, he first what? Establishes you. Then he anoints you. What is an establishment? It's somebody who is grounded in something. You've got to get grounded in the Lord just like David did. He got grounded, and then he got anointed to be king. So my point is this. When he got anointed the first time by the horn of oil in front of all his brothers, it was a very small crowd. But for him to get into a greater anointing, I believe God seasoned him and watched his character. Am I losing you all tonight? Is this too much? Think about David's life, his character. How many times could he have killed the king, but he didn't do it? You know what that's it? That's a man who's walking in integrity. I'm just here to tell you tonight. I wish you were where I've heard people say, I wish I had an anointing of that person. See, that person didn't just get that anointing. That person was faithful in the little things. Like I'm looking at John run the camera. I'm telling you, you be faithful in that. You be faithful in the sound booth. You be faithful up here. You be faithful in the little things. And I'm telling you, there'll be a time where you'll be you'll be anointed in front of the whole kingdom. Are you hearing me tonight? So you be you be faithful. You be have in character, integrity, and faithfulness, and purity of heart. See, God's God's eyes are not fixed on the calendar. 
I'll say that again. For your life, he is not fixed on the calendar. It's fixed on you doing what he called you to do the first time. Don't get the cart before the horse. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1.21, he says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ. This word established means firm, durable, dependable, or reliable. A legal term used to depict the lengthy and intensive uh, investigative process involved to validate a document that is trustworthy. So God puts his stamp, he puts his anointing on you, but he's watching you. Everybody's watching me. How many of y'all know we as the people of God, we live in glass houses? And this is not a natural gifting. You know, there is people that are going up and down the road. There's people that you follow on Facebook, I'm convinced of this, and TikTok that are famous preachers, and they're naturally gifted, but they're not anointed. I'm telling you, there is a difference. There is a difference. I don't know about you, but I want to be anointed. My, um, I want my cup to run over. See, in the ancient world, it wasn't smart to put your name or a seal of approval on it until it was tested and made reliable. See, there's some of y'all out there, you're being approved and you're being tested. But an anointing's coming. Are you hearing me? First John 2.20 says this. He said, my cup runs over. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Real quick, how many of y'all getting something tonight? I don't know about you, but I want to be set apart by the anointing. I want to be set apart. I want to be established. I love that. Make sure you wrote that down. Second Corinthians one twenty one. Before he anoints you, he first established you. You've got to get rooted and grounded in the word or in your walk with Christ. The last one is this, and I'm telling you I could go on anointing forever. But I hope you guys got, my whole purpose of studying Psalm 23 is this, that you see the purpose of quoting this over your life. Because when you do, you get ten promises out of it. Here's the last one is this, is supernatural promise. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, at the end of this, I believe David he speaks with 100% confidence. You know, he wasn't always like this. But he finally came to a place where he was. Think about all the promises of God. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen. What is a promise? That I'd be the head and not the tail. That I'd be above only and not beneath. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Surely goodness and mercy. What is grace? Getting what you don't deserve. What is mercy? Not getting what you do deserve. So it says, all the days of my life, I will not get the punishment that I do deserve because of God's grace for me. Going back to that anointing, that horn of oil, something had to die. Think about that. The anointing that you get comes from Jesus, the one who died for all the sins of the world. Really, I just closing it with this, talking about the promises, and this is what I wrote down. And I had some, I was going to go through Psalm 103. We might as well go through it. Is that okay? 
Bless and affectionate praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless and affectionate praise the Lord, O my soul, and not forget any of his benefits. Let's talk about the benefits that come. These are some promises. Who forgives all your sins and who heals all your diseases. I mean, y'all know there's a benefit of making him the shepherd of your life. And one is this, is forgiveness. The thing that he does in forgiveness, no person in this room can give what God gave for us. The second one, he heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercy. Who satisfies your years with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways of righteousness and justice to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful. He's gracious. How many of y'all thankful for the mercy and grace of God? Slow to anger and abounding in compassion and loving kindness. He will not always strive, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us with punishment according to our wickedness. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear and worship him. With all filled respect and deepest reverence. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship him. With all filled respect and deepest reverence. For he knows our mortal frame. He remembers that we are merely dust. Keep reading it. But there are some benefits that come from this. Here's some promises. Number one, he forgives. Two, healing comes. Redemption, loving kindness, tender mercy. He satisfies us with good things. He renews our youth. Righteousness, justice. He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. In verse 10, he gives us patience. In verse 11, forbearance and forgiving. Verse 12, Forgetting our sins, even though he understands our human condition. In verse 18, he, he, it tells us this, that he keeps his covenant forever. He is a covenant keeper forever with each and every one of us. I wrote this down, talking about the promises of God. I wrote it in my Bible. David was in the long haul with the Lord. And I want to tell you tonight, he's in the long haul with you. David was in the long haul with the Lord. And I want to tell you tonight, the Lord is in the long haul with you. You know, I think lots of times we look at people like David and said, well, I believe David had anointing on his life. David had this and David had that. You know, the Lord reminded me of that scripture in James when he's talking about Elijah. And it says, it says that he's human like you and me. You know the scripture? It says he's human like you and me. I need to be reminded of that. That the same God that was with David is the same God that's with me. The same God that was with Elijah is the same God that is with me. I don't know about you, but I don't want one promise. I want all ten. 
And the only way that you can get all ten is you've got to first what? Make him your shepherd. Amen? Let's stand to our feet tonight. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet, that it's a light unto our path. God, I just pray right now, Lord, I pray for each and every person that's in this room. I pray for those that may be on the, they may be at the place that this weekend, as we talked about, that they're at that point in their life where they're thinking about going back to that Zoar place or going back to that Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, that we make you the shepherd of our life. Lord, I thank you for your provision that is in the room. Your provision that is here in this room right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you are our supplier. You supply all of our needs. I thank you, God, right now. I pray that there is correction. If there needs to be correction in the room, Lord, we, we take that correction because you are protecting us. Lord, I thank you for your anointing that breaks the yokes and bondages of sin and death. Lord, I pray that tonight that we would hold on to the promises of God, that they're yes and they are amen. So, Lord, right now, I just pray by the Spirit of God that this word be for somebody tonight. Somebody tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would leave here changed. If there's areas in their life that you are not their shepherd, I pray, God, that they would correct that. I thank you for the word that went forth tonight that... You prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That even though there may be people in the room that want to be fearful because of an enemy that is on them now, that has surrounded them, Lord, may we be reminded that you will provide. You will provide. You will provide. Just as you did for Elijah, just as you did for David. Lord, you will provide. So, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Minister to us in Jesus' name. Here it is. I found it. So I was praying. I hope you don't mind. I was going through my Bible. In James 5, 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature, a nature like yours and mine. Isn't that encouraging? With a nature like yours and mine. So if he can get his nature in line, I can get mine in line. Let's make him the shepherd of our life. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.